Welcome to the Bella Sad Bellin Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Hi, y'all. Welcome back to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. Today we're finishing the second part of a two-episode series about Air Force Personnel Center and talking with our guest Patrick, an assignments officer at AFPC. So let's get back into it. You know, what are some of the insider knowledge or pearls of wisdom that you would share with listeners, given the time that you had at AFPC? You know, things you didn't know before you stepped behind the Iron Curtain of AFPC and saw how it shakes out. I like that history joke. It's good. Um, well, being on the Soviet side of things, I've figured out that uh, what's on your surf, you know, they say like, okay, your, your records, what gets promoted. And that's very, very true. I've just figured out what that looks like, I think. And that's been the most revealing thing to me because the first thing I do when someone talks to me is I bring up their record, their surf is part of that. And uh, I get sort of a 30,000 foot view of who these people are. But that's also who the promotion board looks at, you know, that's that's who all of the boards that you're ever going to see look at. So if you're trying to get agency in the Air Force, you know, make sure your records are good. You know, so one of the things I would have done differently, I think, uh, is I would have made evaluator in my career field because that shows an extra level of progress. The fact that your IDE is masked, that is true, but not really. And you've heard that. And this is how it works. So what you're going to look at when you look at someone's surf each job title that you've had. And that, that tells like a, a quick story of who they are. And you see enough of these in the boards, all the boards will. And you sort of see what you expect to see, right? Uh, they're a student. They're doing the J-O-B. They are doing a better job. And now they're a system flight commander, flight commander, maybe ADO, maybe. Uh, at some point in there, they go to school. And you can't hide that in the timeline of their duty title because the duty title is going to say that they were a student at IDE. And if it doesn't, it moves on to whatever their next duty title is. So the fact that they hide in residence or not on the IDE uh, doesn't really matter. It does in that they, they try to do that, right? Like we try our best to, to hide it, but any discerning individual is going to figure out, all right, this person's probably been evaluated better than the next person in their organization because they actually got in residence. Um, I, that's the biggest thing that I've learned. I mean, I guess there are other, uh, a lot of other little portions like how the Air Force works with the different uh, organizations and what joint means and, you know, the different uh, COCOM is better than NACHCOM and where you are is very important for the timeline of promotion. So you might, as a major way whether or not to go to a highfalutin location knowing that that's going to be a lot of big fish or be a really big fish yourself in a, in a smaller pond and then you go to a match comp that's a balancing act that's something that uh, i think is valuable for other people to, to kind of consider like you said earlier you you kind of you bloom where you're planted and you you just do the best job with what you have wherever you are yeah uh, and, and things seem to to go okay Talk about, we, we kind of hit on it a little bit already, talk about the transition from um, three move cycles to two move cycles, the combination of the spring and fall cycle into a so-called winter cycle. 
Um, how does that transition from three move cycles to two change things? So it's exactly what it sounded like if you hadn't heard it before. Uh, what you're all used to uh, is a summer cycle, which most of you are on. And most right. of you are used to going like, oh, I move, you know, between June and September. And that's that. And then there are a sprinkling of the rest of you who have moved in the what used to be the fall or the spring cycles. So I don't even care or remember what the spring and um, fall cycles were, but you can imagine it was something like October to December and December to May. What they, what we did, uh, and there was actually a lot of work in how to do this, but we essentially combined all of the report no later than dates uh, to be between uh, for the summer or what they always were, so still June 1st through uh, September 31st, or 30th rather. And then for the uh, report dates uh, for the winter is what it's now called. The, the two cycles for the fall and spring are now combined to the winter. And it's uh, it could be anywhere between the very beginning, which is 1 October, all the way out to 31 May. Most of, most of the report dates have been pushed to 31 May. I've learned in this job that, uh, you know, AFPC, believe it or not, very family-centric and the reason why everyone moves in the summer is because most people have family and most of those family members have kids that are in school. So, you know, school uh, timelines actually what drives assignments uh, in some cases. So one of the interesting things uh, that you will see is that if you're in the winter cycle, you might be at a disadvantage uh, for types of assignments, types and the number of assignments that come your way. Just to give you a uh, very narrow perspective but maybe a telling one nevertheless is that for for my portion of the the rated branch uh we had 75 actual people that ended up moving to a staff assignment in the summer and uh, we had a total of 10 people moving in the winter uh in the winter months or you know a, a longer time period than the summer so uh the summer just has more people moving yeah so let's talk about what AFPC is doing to make things better for the field. So when General Kelly took over AFPC two years ago, uh, he created three initiatives uh, that uh, being the assignment system transformation. So we already talked about the three to two cycle. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, but the other two pieces are the advanced commander notification and the talent marketplace uh, implementation. So First, commander, uh, advanced commander notification is supposed to empower the commander to discuss assignments with uh, the airmen instead of them getting an Autobot email. So uh, probably a lot of people have experienced this where they, their first real indication that they've gotten a new assignment is that they get a uh, fairly impersonal email uh, that uh, tells them they have a rip for a new assignment. And that's very disconcerting for individuals for obvious reasons. Uh, and so uh, the attempt here is to drive that communication between commanders and members. Uh, and I say intent because it hasn't gone off uh, completely as intended. Uh, so there's a lot of issues. And uh, the, the primary issue that we've seen uh, since we've implemented this is that uh, the local FSSs who are ultimately in charge of making this work. So AFPC will give a member an assignment and then... The FSS is responsible for getting that to the commander uh, in this case, and then ultimately to the member a week later. So uh, the advanced commander notification uh, is supposed to give 
uh, the commander of the first uh, notice that uh, one of his members is getting a new assignment. And then uh, seven day, he has seven days to sit down with uh, that member and uh, talk to him about it, you know, and, and address him on a personal level since he is supposed to know uh, the most about the member and be able to communicate with him most effectively. And uh, what we've seen happen is a number of things. Sometimes, uh, you know, the uh, commander doesn't, isn't able to do it. And so nothing's changed except for now the assignment gets to the member a little bit later uh, or, you know, the uh, FSS isn't able to get it to the commander as advertised and sometimes it just holds everything up so uh, we're working through that and most of it's just an educational piece for the fss Uh, the bigger uh, more transformational portion of uh, this new assignment uh, system is talent marketplace so uh, what it does uh, on the whole is supposed to give afpc buyback more time for us to work the art part of the art and science that we talked about so uh it's a new uh internet technology application uh that's under rapid development in fact uh every week uh there is a meeting about all of the new things they're fixing for the website so uh engineers are under contract uh uh where there's feedback between uh the members uh, the and the users uh, and the software engineers and so a lot of feedback trying to make it uh, as best as possible and if any of the listeners out there have any issues with talent marketplace through the my vector website you know let your functional know and and we've made we've affected a lot of change uh, very rapidly uh, since its inception so it was first tested uh, with Air Force scientists in the community in 2017, and it's based off of the sta- stable marriage algorithm, which we'll post a link to YouTube uh, on on this. Is that right? You'll be able to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, and then implemented first uh, by assignment members at AFPC in the summer of 18, and that was uh, just the fighter community. And uh, during that VML, there's only 430-some-odd officers uh, that were using it. And then we expanded it rapidly to all of the rated, so all of the flyers. 17 Deltas, which are your uh, cyber warriors, uh, your 38 Foxtrots, uh, your personnelists, and uh, 41 Alphas is a uh, smaller community within the medical field. And uh, it it is expanding every subsequent cycle. Uh, and so uh, the intent behind uh, expanding it slowly into different uh, career fields is that you don't want it to look just like a fighter page or just like a flyer page, but you also can't have everybody's inputs all at once. So uh, what they did was uh, try and pick some of the larger communities uh, and work the smaller communities in after. So uh, what Mark- Talent Marketplace does is it maintains the primacy of meeting the warfighter requirements and it increases the visibility uh, potential to the uh, to officers. We talked a little bit uh, like that earlier. Ber- Bernadette uh, explained, you know, how user-friendly it is and how different it is from the Pearl. Uh, and, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that uh, the member is going to see. And it gives the assignment teams a starting point to optimize assignments. And this is something I want to take a little bit of time to talk about. So uh, there is an algorithm uh, that we have the option to run where uh, when you go out and favorite your location and the billets that you want, and then the billet owners go and bid on members and this is all part of the stable marriage algorithm the algorithm takes those two bits of information and the member qualifications as a third bit and it runs an algorithm 
and it gives us a starting place of what the computer thinks would be uh, the best possible match, uh, which is supposed to free up a little bit of time for us. And, and we're seeing that it does a little bit. Uh, but what I want to impress upon people is that just because there's a computer involved does not mean that it is making the assignments happen for you. We go through a, every single assignment uh, to make sure that it makes sense. And uh, so far, the computer's doing okay, uh, but not great. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's obviously, like I said earlier, there's a continuous tweaking of the website. Uh, so uh, as we continue, we get better. So uh, do you guys take results from one cycle? Uh, hey, the computer was off here when I did my human QC of its matches and feed that correction back into the algorithm? Or is the algorithm contained? Is, is this a learning AI? So it, it's not machine learning, but it, it is a little bit of that. So right now we're kind of in the chisel and stone portion of AI learning where we're taking uh, just the inputs that we can see and informally taking percentages out of that for our own benefit. And then later on, there is supposed to be uh, functionality where some of what you're talking about might happen. And uh, so far, we've adjusted the algorithm a couple times. Uh, and it's it's minor things. And we're just trying to nail down uh, and you know what the algorithm can do for us and how to make it uh, continue to be simple. Because the more complicated you make it, the less useful it is to a wider audience. So it may work amazing to one career field if you do it a certain way, and it may now be useless to another. So uh, what we're trying to do is make all of those uh, career field specific changes within the website and leave the algorithm uh, alone uh, as much yeah. as possible. I got it. So uh, the thing that Talent Marketplace doesn't do, it doesn't make more people and it doesn't take jobs away. So uh, while it gives more visibility to the field, uh, hopefully what people take away at the end of the day is that uh, they just they get a better understanding of what all the billets are out there. So everyone, for instance, wants to go to the amazing billet that's in Brazil, for instance. And uh, so you'll see, you know, hundreds of people bid on this billet. You'll see the billet owner pick, you know, their top three of those people. Uh, and then meanwhile, uh, you know, there's just a handful of people who bid on places in Minot uh, or Canon uh, or Osan. What you start seeing uh, is basically the congressional limitation of the bases that are out there and the members expressing like, hey, I'd rather go this way or that way. All of those uh, billets that are out there and the requirements of the Air Force uh, aren't going to change because of the talent marketplace. So it is transformational in terms of uh, transparency. It's not actually changing the the backbone problem for the Air, Air Force. There are hard to fill billets that not a lot of people want to go to, and uh, we still have the requirements for people to go there. Gosh, I mean, we've covered so much ground. <laughs> it's it's uh, can, can but there's I cover still a so couple much, things. I had some really... still, <laughs> yeah, there's still so much to talk about, though. That's really great answers to some of your your uh, your questions here. So, what avenues? Should our use to identify their assignment options? Obviously, yeah. talent marketplace. Then let Jesus take the wheel. JK, uh, you should probably <laughs> at least put something in talent marketplace. You know, you know, know your assignment officer and, and, and have a good relationship, right, with your community. But get it on digital copy, right? So, like, I have so many phone calls every single day. And I tell everybody at the end of them, you need to write me an email, encapsulate you know, the big parts of this so that we can have it. 
And if you lie in your email, I'm just going to dispute it immediately. But, you know, just be forthcoming and say, hey, we had this conversation. This is what you said. And so that I can file that away. And then, you know, usually we work very far in the future. So we're doing a lot of projections. So when we come back to that in like six months, I can be like, oh, that's right. Homeboy said, you know, insert the blame. So um, I, I thought that was value added. It's a great question. So you mentioned it a little bit in terms of, you know, when you're a lieutenant, you're doing lieutenant things and then you grow up through the ranks and it's, you know, progressing to staff and then eventually command and whatnot. But are there other things that affect the assignment process for different ranks? Like, you know, I've heard rumblings about the colonel's group and certainly I'm not a colonel, but, uh, you know, folks will say, well, as you get older, you have less control over your assignment and, and whatnot. Um, how are things different for the different ranks? That is sort of true. So as you get older, you have more and more control of your assignments up until you become part of the system. And if you're, uh, you know, a, a very high fluting individual, if you if you have a lot of accolades following you, then you really do have less control of what you what's going on. So probably a lot of your squadron commanders people who say that. So it's really the individual uh, after you do that sort of first, what would you call it? To your uh, your journeyman sort of part of your job, right? You're doing just the the basics of the job. After you're done with that and you, you've been chalked once to the staff world, you're sort of a free agent. And unless you're very set in the leadership path, then you do have a lot of agency in your, uh, say, of assignments. So I work closely with the colonel's group, but I don't have any kind of control or say of what they do uh, when you become a colonel. And it just means that there are you're, you're very... Uh, low density, high value asset, and you're going to do what the Air Force needs them to. So there are a lot of a lot of colonels that probably have the opportunity to go and do other things that self eliminate from that. Uh, and uh, you can take this from the uh, IDE, so uh, Intermediate Developmental Education, uh, so major schools, schools for majors. We go through that list, and then we we dip into the alternate lists occasionally, right? And then we we very rarely exhaust the alternate list. Year after year, the senior developmental education, which is usually Air War College for the Air Force, the SCE list uh, gets, the alternate list gets exhausted year after year. And what that should say to you people is that there are a lot of people that understand that they are going to make colonel and they know what that means. And they would rather take uh, a BTZ to civilian than uh, go make colonel and be needs of the Air Force. Huh. That's, um, I mean, that's interesting. I wouldn't have expected that, I guess. I guess maybe that dovetails into the uh, some of the retention crisis things that are yeah. going on in the Air Force, but that's that's a whole no, that's a whole other podcast and a whole other subject, so we can't... Ooh, include can't me go. on that podcast. <laughs> we, can't, we can't go... There'll be so many people who want to be a part of that one, well, so that'll be a crowdsourced podcast. Well, let me put one quick thing out there. It's, you know, they talk about a fighter pilot crisis... And, and the Air Force, whether people realize it or not, has rebranded that as a rated crisis, which means a flyer crisis. If you look at the numbers, it's overall. Like, we have made deep cuts Absolutely. across every AFSC. So, you know, some of the squeaky wheels and uh, the, some people get more agency than others. Uh, that's neither here or there. Uh, the crisis is amongst all AFSCs. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, just as evidence of that, right? I cross-trained out of one AFSC into another as a major, and so that's not common. And it wasn't because I was a terrible person; it was because they had an opening, 
And they asked for volunteers. And so that they wouldn't ask for volunteers in the higher level fields if they weren't hurting. Um, <laughs> so. Let me ask a few questions that I think are kind of all related that uh, maybe are selfishly motivated um, by my memory of assignments not working out well for me and, and my hope that we can help people not feel the feelings that I felt when I was a young captain. And so, Patrick, correct me if... I'm wrong about kind of my underlying assumptions, but basically, uh, how do I get AFPC to give me the assignment I want? Or alternatively, how do I keep them from sending me somewhere I don't want to go? What are the mistakes that members make? Maybe maybe it's just yeah. the way the system worked. And, this, is, and then, this is the question everybody wants to answer to. Right. How do I get the assignment I want? What? Right. So, so, and then, a, so it's how do I get the assignment I want is a question. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do I do to control that? Is there anything I can do to control that? What does AFPC do to control that? Is there anything I can do to AFPC to... You, you, to, should, you should whine as much as possible and, and email and phone call them incessantly. Uh, I was I, told I never... That's probably, that's probably not the right answer, right? I think you're not... Yeah, Correct. I was told never to contact my assignments team. Yeah, like, we I, so, were discouraged from doing that. So that that may be not the right answer either. I think you know a lot of people get that told to them because there are so many priorities, or you know, everyone has their little thing that you know is important to them. You know, if enough of those people call at the same time or or uh, bug their assignment officer, you know, I like I said, I have under four thousand people that. I'm in charge of taking care of, you know, bringing through each assignment cycle. And if every single one of them called with their uh, personal agenda, you know, uh, then I just don't have the bandwidth to take care of that, uh, you know, that many uh, number one priorities. So I guess uh, the, the biggest thing is understand your real options if you can. So break it down for yourself, right? Like understand who you are. In the Air Force's eyes, like, okay, I am a lieutenant. I'm going to do the basic job, right? Or I'm a captain. Uh, I'm probably going to do the basic job. I'm a senior captain. Now the options are opening. I have more expectations. Uh, I'm a major. You know, there's a lot of things a major can do. Uh, I'm a Passover major. You know, the, the Air Force still has a use for you. You know, like, don't be discouraged. But understand that you're probably not going to go to air staff, right? Like, uh, as you move on in your career... Uh, you start to take a different path, regardless of who you are, and uh, and, and that just gives you different options: closed doors and open doors. Right. Uh, one of the most interesting things I, I think about talent marketplace is that you know you get to see all the billets out there, right? Like the pearl kind of gave you, but now you get to see you know instantly their location, the people that are interested, the billet owners, the people that are uh, bidding on them, the how many people are interested in it. So. What I found was that every single person that has a patch on their shoulder, so every weapon school graduate in my community, bid on something. The vast majority, I would say like 70% of them, uh, have tier one payback, which means that uh, by FI, they're required to be at a squadron. Like they're still, they, they did this amazing thing, they sacrificed six months of their lives. And now they're required for the next two years to be back in the squadron, giving back of the knowledge that they just learned. And every single one of them to a T, it seemed like we're bidding on that one job to Germany, you know, or, or you know, the staff assignment to here and there. It, just understanding uh, where you are in your career, I think, is the biggest thing you can do. And, and that sets you up for, uh, you know, expectations 
uh, and then the working target back, right? So uh, those two things combined will probably give you to the right answer, right? So like there's a little bit behind the curtain that, that you guys can't see uh, that is basically requirements driven, you know, but if you understand where you are in your career in terms of what's possible for your assignments, and maybe you need your, your assignment officer's help for that, that's fine. I mean, I really feel like those, those are most of the questions I ask are like, you know, I think I know where I am. Is this correct? And everybody's a little bit different, you know, like maybe they have extenuating circumstances and join spouse, which is by the way, J O I N dash spouse, not joint spouse. No one cares. It's a terrible, a terrible <laughs> phrase. Like, why did they make that so similar to something that sounded like something we're so familiar with, right? You know, anyways, extenuating circumstances. And so maybe you're a little bit different as to the guy next to you that would otherwise be the same. Uh, but trying to figure that out is probably your biggest personal piece. And that's going to that's gonna taper your, or temper rather your expectations. So it sounds like basically the, the, the short answer to, to those nested questions is... Set your expectations realistically. I... Manage your expectations. Um, yeah, make it realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, and, and 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 that maybe requires like a talking piece with your commander, and, and maybe your commander isn't willing to hear some of those extenuating circumstances. Like I've had several, many commanders actually say that I, you know, I should go to WIC, and this is how I did it, and you know, I was like, I really don't want to do that, you know, and, and they weren't hearing it. And they're like, if you don't go to WIC, you're not getting a strat. And like, oh, that's not really cool, but okay. So being able to talk to your assignment officer you know, on a bro level is pretty crucial. And, you know, some assignment officers are more able to do that than others. Don't hold it against them, especially if they have more people in their career field. When you're making a dream sheet, don't ever put something on there you don't actually want. You may still end up at that place, but if you give me the chance to say, oh, Minot was number 20, well, he got one that was on his list. Yep, I've, uh, I've experienced that firsthand, and never again will I make that mistake. So, so if your list is 20 long and you only have four that you actually want to go to, you know, put your first four and they'll let you just take the wheel. Well, okay. Just to play the I've heard advocate that, though, I, I've yeah. been on the other side where I, I look, I don't, I don't want to go to any of these places. I'm really only comfortable going to two of these places. But if I put down these two places and they can't send me to either of these two places, are they just going to send me wherever they want? And if they're just going to send me wherever they want, then heck, I'd like to, you know, fill out the other 18 and at least, you know, get some say in there. Yep. Yep. That's the choice you got to make. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what, that was what my commander uh, told me last, last go was, you know, Hey, if you only have about 10 that you really want uh, and that's 15 open spots for AFPC to do their decision-making. And so take a look at your base options and tell me, if you had to choose between Cannon and Patrick Air Force Base, which would you choose? So, and if you if you don't if you truly don't care, then you can leave your 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 bases open. But if you do care, you should put them down. So, <laughs> so. if if Cannon ends up if Cannon or Minot et cetera ends up at the bottom of your list, don't put it on your list. It's still right. there. You know, you just don't have to make us feel good about putting you there. Yeah. Yeah, and I I guess I'm on the flip side of that where. Uh, you know, the uh, assignment uh, that I got was not on my top 24, uh, but... Tread lightly, young lady. Because, right? Because I had to, I had 25. Um, you know, I was at least glad that uh, 
I felt some semblance of satisfaction that it was at least somewhere on my list. So. Do you want to share where it is you are? Oh, you don't have to. It's fine. No. <laughs> you no, probably okay. shouldn't. <laughs> I'm not going to share it. There'll be too much hate. Yeah, everything's personal. There you go. <laughs> on the other hand, Billy Up, you are in the military. Go do what the government tells you to do. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so um, I think just kind of wrapping up, and that kind of goes to our maybe our last question, it, but what advice or thoughts you know do you have for the airman or family member or whomever when the assignment process doesn't turn out like they wanted. I recently had a buddy uh, straight out of school who was very realistic, I think, with his expectations and what he put on there and, and managing his, uh, what he thought was a good fit with the Pearl and talked with the commander and talked with the functionals and, and had lots of options. And he ended up, you know, with an assignment that was like totally not even on any of that. And so there's things that go on behind the curtain potentially, or you know whatever how that works out. But what do you what advice do you have for folks when it when it doesn't go their way despite best efforts? Uh, well, I mean, ultimately, don't be a terrorist. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, you know it, that that's going to work out one of two ways. And ultimately, if you if you look at, I think probably a statistic we've all heard is that you know if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're in the top one percent of people in the United States, you've been charged and accepted with uh, protecting your nation's freedom. And if you end up with an assignment that takes you away from that, I think that that just means that you've understood what is really important to you. And that does not mean that you're any less in your nation's eyes. You've already done your piece. You're in here. You've, you've already gotten an assignment, right? So this is probably not your first assignment. Even if it were, you wouldn't have a choice probably to decline it. So uh, the people we're talking about are the people who have already put in their time. So, I mean, I ultimately have come to some junctures where it's like, hey, thank you for your service. Like, I, you know, no ill will. This is just where we came to, right? So sometimes that's the best that we can do. You know, I always plead your case. I'm a softie, so I've given in a few times. Uh, extenuating circumstances, barring, is probably not going to change uh, the sure. facts. So accept it the best you're able you know and i guess look to the serenity prayer that's about all i got sure so uh anyway all right yeah no patrick thanks for your time uh we we appreciate all your insight and your your thoughts and your encouragement for for folks listening and yeah just pearls of wisdom that you've gained at afpc yeah Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellus at Bellum. Join us for our next episode, and in the meantime, let us to the battle. We take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.